Welcome back. As I said last video, we'll be doing the NFC record predictions. Just did the AFC last week. Check that out if you missed it. So, we're going to start with the NFC East because that's where my favorite team plays. I usually go east to west. I try to do that. South and north, I really don't care. They can go either or. So, NFC East. In 2022, the Eagles ran the whole division. They were pretty much undefeated for half the year. They finished 14-3. and The Cowboys were 12-5. and People forget. I know they always suck in the playoffs, but 12-5 and is a very good year. My Giants were 9-7-1. and That surprising playoff berth by them and playoff victory. The Commanders were 8-8-1. and And I could see a similar finish this year. So, hint, hint. Anyway, I'm going to start with the Philadelphia Eagles in first place. Their over-under is 11.5 wins. I have them at 12-5. and I'd hate to sound like a hater, but there are some real concerns with this team, in my opinion. I still think they'll be above the 11.5 win total, but my concerns are, number one, the Super Bowl hangover, which I think is proving itself year after year is kind of a real thing. I always think back to that Panthers team that lost in the 2015-16 Super Bowl to Von Miller and Peyton Manning, that Broncos team. And the Panthers the next year were not good. They missed the playoffs, I believe. The Falcons, after blowing the 28-3 lead, I believe they made the playoffs the next year, but they were not nearly as sharp as they were the year before. Even last season, the Rams, you know, they won back in 2021. 2022 for the Rams was awful. I mean, there were injuries, of course, but they were 5-12. and That's <laughs> pretty terrible for a defending Super Bowl champion. So there's that. There's also the fact that the Eagles lost both of their coordinators. Their offensive defensive coordinators took head coaching jobs with the Colts and the Cardinals. So that's concerning as well. And they lost some good players like TJ Edwards, Javon Hargrave, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Miles Sanders, probably some more I'm forgetting. Like there are good players that left this team during the offseason. They did add a lot to their running back room, Rashad Penny, who some say might be on the roster bubble. I don't know. But they also added DeAndre Swift. Pretty interesting pickup there. They don't have a wide receiver three that I love, but they do have arguably the top two, you know, top two wide receivers for any team in the league with AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. The defense is still great. The linebacking depth is not, it's probably the one concern about that defense, but aside from that, they look very strong defensively. It's still a great team. I think they'll finish with 12 wins. You know, I still have them over the 11 and a half win total, so I can't really say I'm low on the Eagles, but. 14-3 and three is ridiculous. I can't see them replicating that. Maybe Jalen Hurts gets better. He's shown the past three years that he has gotten better every single year. It's going to be hard to improve off that season he had last year where he probably would have won MVP if he stayed healthy, but you never know. So I have the Eagles at 12-5 and five and in first place. Second place, I'm putting the Dallas Cowboys. I have them at 11-6. Their over-under is 9.5, so I have them a game and a half over that. Maybe I'm a bit high on the Cowboys this year. I don't know. They also lost an offensive coordinator. Kellen Moore went to the Los Angeles Chargers. I love that move for them, by the way. So now Mike McCarthy's back in charge of calling plays. I'm not the biggest McCarthy guy. I keep that no secret. Maybe this works. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know, but I'm definitely uh, skeptical about how that's going to go. They added Brandon Cooks and Stephon Gilmore, guys who are veterans. Cooks is still 29 somehow, which just makes no sense. I feel like he's been at least in the league for 10 years. Who knows? Stephon Gilmore, though, early 30s, still played at a very high level, so I do like those pickups. They got better in the trenches. I feel like stopping the run was always an issue for the Cowboys the past few years. 
They spent a first-round pick on a pure run-stuffer, Mozzie Smith, out of Michigan. That's it's not the highest positional value pick you can make, but it definitely fits a need for that team, and it was a late first-round pick, so it's like, okay, I get it. Um, the weapons are still good. You still have C.D. Lamb. Michael Gallup should be more healthy now. Brandon Cooks, I mentioned. Um, there's a tight end, Jake Ferguson, people like. And, of course, it's Tony Pollard's season. Tony Pollard is the lead guy now. Zeke is in New England, so we'll see how full-time Tony Pollard goes. I don't think they'll give him 20 touches a game because you want to keep his efficiency, but he'll definitely see the most work he's probably had in his entire career. Um, I don't want to be like too hot takey, if that makes sense, but I could see a world where Dallas finishes in first place. I don't want to say that, though, because that just seems very extreme, and I feel like you just want to be different. So I'm not going to be that guy, but I could see a world where this Cowboys team actually finishes above Philly. But I'm not going to predict that. Third place, I have my Giants. I have them at 9-8. and eight. The win total is 7.5, which I feel like is pretty disrespectful. I get it. People think the Giants are a bit fluky. I understand. I completely get it. But 7.5 for a Brian Dable-led team. Uh, Daniel Jones, who's not turning the ball over anymore. I mean, I just... I don't know. I don't see it. I think the Giants will at least win eight games. I can't see them being below eight, so I'm not a betting man. Sometimes I am. So I might actually take that bet. I don't know. But anyway, um, that seems weird. Their offense should be better, especially passing-wise. I feel like last year it was just a lot of design runs with Daniel Jones, a lot of Saquon efficiency in the first half of the year. The offense, passing-wise, should get better. Paris Campbell added, um, of course, Darren Waller, who it's been a couple years since Waller's been like a top-five tight end, but he looks tremendous so far in camp and in his lone preseason game. They also added Bobby Okereke from the um, from the Colts. And today, they added Isaiah Simmons for a seventh-round pick, which is like, hey, they got him for free. That's awesome. He was a former top-ten pick not too long ago. So... That was a great move. I'll get more in depth into that in my next Giants podcast. I'll probably make that like, I don't know, sometime next week. I have a bunch of fantasy football drafts, so not the most time in the near future. But I also have a fantasy football uh, video coming out soon. I try to make like an annual fantasy football video. I probably will release that on like Saturday night, maybe Sunday morning, somewhere around there. Anyway, um, Daniel Jones in year two of this scheme, that's always good because you see quarterbacks sometimes make a leap. I talked about the Falcons 28-3 team. That same season when the Falcons had the best offense in football, that was Matt Ryan's second year in Kyle Shanahan's scheme. So sometimes you see quarterbacks just blow up out of nowhere, and hopefully Daniel Jones can be that same way. Jones was good last year. He wasn't great, but definitely good enough. Could he be great? I mean, maybe. There's definitely another level he could get to as a passer. Their schedule gets a bit harder, which is why I have them at nine wins. I mean, last year they played teams like Chicago. They played Carolina, Houston, Indy. I mean, there there were some gimmies on the schedule. So it's not the same way this year. They do have a week two game against the Cardinals where I have a lot of confidence in that. But aside from that, every Giants game should be highly competitive. So great coaching staff, a quarterback improving, adding to the defense, adding to the weapons. Like this should be a better team. Yeah, there are some offensive line concerns, but I have the Giants at nine and eight in 2023. The commanders I have at seven and ten. They're over under six and a half. So I do have them over. I have every team over, don't I? I just realized this. I do have every team over. Well, that's probably not going to happen, but hey, maybe I just like this division. I don't know. Um, I was thinking about putting the Commanders at six wins because this Terry McLaurin injury with his toe is not, 
It's not making me feel good. Like, if he's gone, like, yes, I like Jahan Dotson a lot. They get their tight end back. Um, Logan Thomas, I cannot remember his name for the life of me. But I could see where this season goes off the rails for them. I could see Ron Rivera being the first head coach fired. Um, I guess there were some rumors about him being fired last year. He stays, so I feel like his leash is kind of short at this point. Their offensive line is definitely not the best. You know, they have veteran Charles Leno. I like Sam Cosme, but I, I feel like the rest of the offensive line is not that reliable. Um, Sam Howell is definitely big for this team. If he's great, then like, yeah, maybe they flirt with the wild card. But if Sam Howell's average, which is kind of what I expect, this probably will be a below 500 team. So I, I feel like 7 and 10 is fair, maybe even 6 and 11. Um, Howell does have some interesting tools. He played very well in the preseason the other day. So maybe he's great and takes the league by storm and the commanders are awesome, but I feel like the most likely outcome is this is probably a below average team. Next, the NFC South in 2022. Nobody was above 500. The Buccaneers 8 and 9 made the playoffs. We had three teams at 7 and 10, the Panthers, the Saints and the Falcons in that order. This year though, you know, if you watch my channel, I hyped up this team probably a couple weeks ago, the Atlanta Falcons. No, I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender, nor do I think anybody in this division is a Super Bowl contender, obviously. But I have the Falcons in first place at 9-8. and eight. They're over-unders 8.5. I just think they have a formula to win in the regular season. They have a great running game, a great offensive line, a quarterback who will not be asked to do a whole lot, an easy-ass schedule, and their defense, yeah, it's not that good. But if they're average, I can see this team probably having nine wins. So I'm hoping for an average defense here from the Falcons, who they did make some defensive improvements, obviously, with Jesse Bates, especially even Jeff Okuda, if he can return to the player he once was. So they do have the talented secondary. They have talented weapons, of course. You know, three drafts in a row of skill position players, Kyle Pitts. They had Bijan this year, Drake London last year. Drake London, by the way, is awesome. Drake London... After this year, maybe it's a hot take, maybe it's not, might be recognized as like a top 10 wide receiver in football. Maybe that's like a well-known thing. I don't know. But still, their linebackers are not good. Definitely concerns me. But they have really good defensive tackles. Calais Campbell, who's way up there in age now, but still playing at a high level. And of course, Grady Jarrett. So running up the middle against them, probably not a good idea. But their linebackers, once again, are very concerning. They have the weapons offensively to be good enough. So, you know, I do kind of like Arthur Smith scheme-wise. He doesn't seem that smooth with the media, but scheme-wise, I like Arthur Smith. So I'll have this Falcons team at 9-8, and eight, taking first place. Second place, I have the Saints. I have them at 8-9. and nine. So their over-under is 9.5. So I have them a game and a half under that. I just never been a Derek Carter guy. I think I've said that over the years as well. Um, he is better than Jameis Winston. I'll give him that. But I think there is a lot of concerns, especially coaching-wise. Like, I don't really know what the appeal with Dennis Allen is and why he's still the coach there. I get why he was last year because, like, oh, it's a last-minute thing. Sean Payton left us. Like, let's just make this guy who was our defensive coordinator head coach. He knows everybody here. But, like, you had a full offseason, and they still brought him back. And his lifetime record as a head coach from the Raiders and last year combined is 15-38. and 38. I mean, the guy's not good. I don't know how much more the Saints have to see here, but whatever. Um, I love Chris Olave. He'll probably be a monster this year with uh, Derek Carr. Love him for fantasy football. Michael Thomas could be back, too. I mean, that's how long. I don't know. But when he played last year, he did look good. He had two touchdowns versus the Falcons last year in week one. 
Kamara's back after week three, his little suspension. So I could see a world where, yeah, the offense is pretty good, but their defense is concerning. The pass rush is not what it used to be. Cam Jordan's like 34 now. Davenport went to the uh, Vikings this offseason. Um, they're just not the same defense as they once were. Even Demario Davis is like 34 now. They're an average team, but they do play in a bad division, so I can definitely see a path to like 9 or 10 wins, but I just don't love their coaching. Once again, not a big Derek Carr guy, so I'm going to put the Saints at 8 and 9. Third, I have the Buccaneers at 6 and 11. Their over-under win total is 6 and a half. I have a lot of unders in this division, except for the Falcons. Um... But yeah, I have the Buccaneers 6-11. Baker Mayfield listed as the quarterback one. It's not too exciting. I mean, I like Baker, of course, but I just don't think he's that good anymore. Um, maybe he surprises us, but, you know, the Buccaneers are another team that don't have great coaches. Like, Todd Bowles is still there. Um, their OC, I, I've never heard of the guy. It's some young guy from Seattle, so maybe he's, like, young, innovative, and, like, has a great offense. I don't know. But... Seattle sometimes has some bad offensive habits, too. I, I don't know. That's kind of a wait and see, but at least there's some upside there. Um, but he does have two good receivers, two really good ones, and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Of course, Evans has that 1,000-yard streak on the line. Going to be tough this year to prolong it without Tom Brady and without Jameis Winston throwing the ball 600 times per year. So we'll see if that prolongs there for Mike Evans. They still have some good defenders on this team. Like a lot of guys from the Super Bowl are still on this defense. So like the defense is actually pretty good here. I'm actually like kind of high on the Buccaneers D this year. They are moving Tristan Wirfs from right tackle to left tackle and the offensive line it looks okay. Like it's a little concerning in some places, but like Tristan Wirfs making that transition is probably the biggest thing for them this year. Um, I mentioned their defense is still underrated in my opinion. You still have Levante David, you still have Devin White. They have Vita Vea still, Joe Tryon, Shaquille Barrett still there, Jamel Dean, Antoine Winfield Jr., Carlton Davis, like a lot of familiar names from that Super Bowl team back in 2020. So yeah, that part of the team could still be good. Um, the offense though will probably struggle. Their run game is probably going to be pretty non-existent this year, like Rashad White. Okay, maybe. They actually have this guy named Sean Tucker. He was a UDFA out of, like, Syracuse, I think it was. He looks kind of good. Like, I would not be surprised if he's, like, kind of a guy for them this year. Um, maybe, like, a very, very deep sleeper in fantasy. But, uh, yeah, that run game might struggle for them. So, yeah, I put the Bucks at 6-11. and 11. And last, I'm putting the Panthers at 6-11 and 11 as well. First year of the Frank Reich regime. Um, I like Bryce Young. He'll probably be a stud at some point, but I just don't know if this will be the year. They need guys like Iki Aquano on the offensive line to step up. Who, like, yeah, he was okay last year, but, like, needs to be a whole lot better for a rookie quarterback. I was not a fan of the Adam Thielen signing at all. Like, I think that man is beyond washed, and I think he got a pretty good amount of money there from Carolina. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I remember being high on Thielen last year, and he just did not show up, and... He was in a very good situation there, being the number two next to Jefferson, a pretty good quarterback in Kirk. Still didn't come through. Miles Sanders was signed here as well. I mean, he's had some exposure to being like a, a true RB1, and it's been okay, but like, I don't know. I didn't love that contract either. Their defense is decent. I like their front seven. They have some young guys, of course, still. Brian Burns is the highlighter there. JC Horn at corner, he's still 22 years old, so he's a stud. Broke his foot that one year, but he's still a stud. Um, their offensive line is not good, though. Like, that's the thing about this team. And you think about bad offensive line, a small quarterback, what could possibly go wrong, you know? But, like, you know, 
Young is such an exciting player. I saw him versus the Giants a few, you know, probably last week, whatever it was, when that preseason game was. There was that play where he should have been sacked like three separate times and he got out of it and almost made a great play. So, like, yeah, he's great and can make something out of nothing, but they're going to ask way too much of him at such a young age, being a rookie. I just don't think it's going to happen this year. It, it might happen in the future. I kind of like the Panthers going forward, but as for 2023, I'm going to put them at 6-11. and 11. Next, the NFC North in 2022. It was the fraudulent Vikings at 13-4. and four. I could say that as a Giants fan, right? Like, there's no... Okay, I could say that. Um, the Lions were 9-8. and eight, Almost made the playoffs. Made a good second-half run. Um, the Packers were 8-9. and nine. That was surprising. Of course, they won, like, 13 games three years in a row, but that was disappointing. The Bears, the first overall pick team, they were 3-14. and 14. So that sucked. Um, first place, I'm putting the Detroit Lions. 10-7. and seven, Their over-under is 9.5. They have 12 games indoors. This is the thing I don't think people realize about the Lions this year, and, like, maybe I'm just looking way too deep into this stat, but 12 indoor games this year. Jared Goff indoors last season had a 105 quarterback rating and a 24-4 to touchdown-to-interception ratio in 10 games. That man likes the Dome. I mean, who doesn't, right? I mean, that's probably a bad, dirty joke. But yeah, Jared Goff probably going to have a good year based on that. So they added good players to the secondary, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Cameron Sutton from the Steelers, who was like everybody's favorite offseason signing, it seemed like. David Montgomery comes in to replace Jamal Williams, a little NFC North transitioning of teams there. And I think like Jamal Williams obviously had like a shit ton of touchdowns last year, but of course, overall, I think David Montgomery is a better player. Jameer Gibbs, the first round pick, which I don't agree with, but he's there. He's talented. He replaces DeAndre Swift. So I think they upgraded running back wise, at least. Um, they have a great offensive line. It's been that way for a couple years. I think Amon Ross St. Brown might lead the league in catches. Like he's in he's in store for a great year. Like with no Jamison Williams for six games and who knows when he'll come back with the hamstring as well. Like, I don't know what's gonna happen with him. But Amon Ross St. Brown should have a monster year. Their defensive line has plenty of depth. They need rookie linebacker Jack Campbell to be good. That was another pick that people were surprised by. I think a lot of people expected him to be like a mid second round pick. I believe the Lions took him in like the mid first. So another reach by them potentially. But yeah, I mean, look, the team's been coached well. They're moving in the right direction. There's a lot of high expectations for this team and, of course, for the Bears as well. But I think the Lions, based on the indoor games and Goff probably playing well, they should be a 10 win team. So give me 10 and 7 with the Lions. The Vikings come in at second place for me. They were, of course, really good last year record wise, a lot of late victories. They're over-unders 8.5. I have them at 8-9. and nine. So, a bit under there for me. Their secondary is just really bad. I don't know how else to say it. There's just nothing good about it. Harrison Smith's 34. So, like, how much longer can he play at a high level? He's already showing signs of declining, but, like, he's still pretty good. But aside from him, like, there's nobody. So, I, I feel like teams against Minnesota, we saw this last year. My quarterback had two amazing games against him. Like, teams will be able to throw all over the Vikings. I just don't see how that's like not going to happen. Um, the offense loses some juice with Alexander Madison instead of Dalvin Cook. I don't blame them for letting Dalvin Cook go. Like he's on the wrong side of his career now. Like he'll probably be declining from here on out. But Alexander Madison is just like he's totally mid. Like he's just he's an average running back, not much explosiveness at all. So 
He'll be in there, catch some passes, take up some volume, but I don't love their run game this year. But their offense passing-wise will put up numbers. They did draft Jordan Addison in the first round this year. He did get in trouble with the speeding ticket, whatever. He should be fine. He'll be playing. Um, Obviously, Jefferson's probably the best receiver in football right now. TJ Hawkinson was great for them second half of the year when they got him. So, yeah, there are some, like, positives with the passing game, but... Aside from that, there's really not much to look forward to here. They had a negative point differential last year and still have 13 wins, which is just very fluky. Um, It just shows you they're more of an average team, if anything. And Kevin O'Connell in year two, I mean, going from Mike Zimmer, who was just like this old school rah-rah guy, to Kevin O'Connell was probably like a breath of fresh air for these guys. But like that stuff kind of wears off after a while. So, you know, maybe that helped him, like, win these games late. So him in year two now, is it going to be the same effect? I don't know. That newness does wear off after a bit. So I think the Vikings will obviously take a step back record-wise. It just depends how much. But I have them down for 8 and 9. Third place, the Green Bay Packers. I have them at 7 and 10. Their over-under is 7.5. They have looked really good in preseason. Now, how much of that matters? I mean, that's kind of up to you, honestly. But for me and the... Lack of time Jordan Love has played in the NFL, it kind of means a little extra to me. So I think it kind of might be like a little foreshadow that they might be very good this year. But I still have them at 7 and 10, so I'm not expecting that much. But Jordan Love did show that he can put some great touch on the ball, throw a nice deep ball. He has young receivers who are very exciting. Christian Watson could be a stud. He has to be healthy, of course, but Romeo Dobbs as well. Um, even Jaden Reed in the slot could be a really good rookie this year. Even their tight end, Luke Musgrave, has gotten a lot of good reviews in camp so far. Um, they did lose more than they gained over the offseason, but, like, Aaron Rodgers was not that good last year. Like, he might have been mentally just checked out or something. I don't know. So maybe with Jordan Love and knowing that this is, like, his real opportunity to show he's a franchise quarterback, maybe he takes this and runs with it. Maybe he's not good, but I feel like 7-10 is fine for this team. They still have a pretty decent roster. I would say it's like a little above average. So if Jordan Love is not complete crap, which I don't think he will be, this team should be all right. So I'll put the Packers at 7-10. and 10. And last place, yeah, it hurts to say this as a Justin Fields believer. It does hurt to say it, but I have the Bears in last at 7-10. and 10. They're over under 7.5. Um, they've probably had the flashiest offseason of any team in the league, definitely this entire division for sure. DJ Moore, Tremaine Edmonds, Nate Davis were added. I just don't know if their coaches are good. Like, I don't even know if Matt Eberflus is a good coach or not. There's a lot to prove there. Um, Justin Fields, as much as I like him, can he be a consistent passer? I don't know. Will they put him in the right offense to do the stuff he's good at? I don't know. Like, they did a much better job at that after that Patriots game last year. I get that. But will they do it over a full season? or revert back to what they were doing before. I don't know. So there's a lot of unanswered questions here. Um, It is a prove-it year for Justin Fields, though. I hope he comes through. I do like the guy. They benefit from the last play schedule. They will get some easier games, especially down the stretch. But it just feels like when a team like this has so much hype and they were so bad last year, to expect them to go from three wins to like nine or ten is just pretty unrealistic. So I have them at seven and ten. Sure, I could be proven wrong, and I hope I am because I do want this team to do well. But realistically speaking, I think 7-10 and 10 is probably somewhere around where they'll finish this year. Lastly, the NFC West in 2022, it was the 13-4 49ers. It was the 9-8 Seahawks. Then it was the 5-12 and 12 
LA Rams, and the 4-13 Arizona Cardinals, who cleaned the house. So I have the 49ers in first place at 12-5. Their over-under is 10.5. They added Javon Hargrave from the Eagles. They added Sam Darnold, um, who was named the quarterback two. Brock Purdy's quarterback one. I'm still not sold on Brock Purdy. Like, I'm really not. I don't think he's that great, but... Maybe he is. I don't. I don't know. I still. There's a lot I have to see to be like. Oh, this guy can definitely win you a Super Bowl. Because I don't feel that way right now. So for the Niners to make it all the way to February, I don't feel great about that. But to win this division, I definitely, obviously, you can see that happening. Um, I do think Seattle will give them a run for their money. It will not be a free pass, but they are the odds-on favorites to win this thing. Their front seven still stacked. Uh, Javarius Ward was awesome last year. They brought him over from the Chiefs, and he was great at corner. Um, the offensive line's taken some hits the past couple years. Like They lost Lakin Tomlinson to the Jets a couple years ago. Mike McGlinchey went to Denver this offseason. So their offensive line's getting a bit thin, but they still have the best left tackle in football. Maybe besides Andrew Thomas, I don't know. But no, Trent Williams is awesome. So, you know, they have enough there, I think. And with Kyle Shanahan's play calling and Purdy being consistent, hopefully. And even if he's not, like Sam Darnold, like there's a reason the guy went third overall. He's been in some really bad situations so far. So it would not shock me if Sam Darnold was the starter by December. Like I'm not saying it's going to happen for sure, but it's kind of one of those like bold prediction type things. Like I could see a world where that happens. So I'm going to put the Niners at 12-5 and five this year. Next, I have the Seahawks. And this is funny because when I went through their team at first, I was thinking like, oh, I'm going to put them lower because last year, like, they just got lucky and Geno's not doing that again and blah, blah, blah. But the more I looked at their roster, I'm like, they're actually really good. So I had them at like eight wins at first. Now I bumped them up to 10. I have them at 10 and 7. They're over-unders 8.5. Um, I do like this team. Their roster is actually really good. Bobby Wagner's back. He was the number one graded linebacker last year. Um, inside linebacker, I should say. Jamal Adams is back from his injury. I don't know what kind of, you know, shape he'll be in and how he'll look, but maybe he's the same old guy he was with the Jets. Boye Mafe, Ochenna Wosu, those are good underrated pass rushers right there on the edge for them. And, like, people always talk about, like, what if Geno Smith regresses or gets worse? But, like, what if Geno gets better? Like, what if Geno Smith... We haven't seen, like, the full potential yet, you know? Like, there is a chance as a second-year, you know, full-time starter, maybe Geno Smith's actually kind of good. Like, we don't know. His deep ball percentage, completion percentage, his pressure to completion rate was, like, awesome last year. Like, he was really good in a lot of, like, advanced metrics. So, you can argue how Geno Smith, what he did last year was not a fluke. It helps having great receivers, of course, and that got better this year, adding JSN in the draft. But... Still, I think Geno Smith, like, yeah, he might throw some more interceptions this year. I can definitely see that being a possibility. But there's also a chance Geno gets better. And I, I think people have kind of ruled that out. Um, they took Devon Witherspoon in the first round. So their defense is getting better. Tariq Woolen's there as well, who was an awesome rookie cornerback last year. I mean, I know Jackson Smith and the Jig was probably out for maybe the first couple weeks. Maybe he comes back after that bye. They have an early bye week. But I definitely can see this Seattle team being good this year. A lot of it does come down to Geno. I get it. But if Geno's fine and does not regress a whole lot, Seattle might really be in play for the number one spot in this division. So I have them down at 10 and 7. Next, I'm going to put the Rams. They're over under 6.5. I have them at 6 and 11. I wanted to put them over, and I probably should. Like, the more I think about it, like, 
Sean McVay offense and Matt Stafford back healthy, Cooper Cup back healthy. I guess the downgrades are that they lost Jalen Ramsey, which is big. They lost Bobby Wagner, who was good last year, as I mentioned. Leonard Floyd. Like, they lost good players. So I, I could talk myself into it and talk myself out of it at the same time. Their defense is really horrendous. Outside of Aaron Donald, like, Aaron Donald's kind of like that meme where, like, the person has the Lamborghini and, like, that really crappy house. Like, that's kind of what it reminds me of. Aaron Donald, obviously, one of the best defenders of all time. He's, a, you know, he's in this defense that is just not good. Like, the only other player that's, like, kind of good on this defense that at least I know is John Johnson, who had some good years with the Rams, went to the Browns for a couple years. Now he's back at 28 years old. So, like, I just don't know what kind of defense this team's going to have. You can double-team, triple-team Donald, which sometimes is still not enough, but if you do that, then who else is going to beat you? This is not the pass where Leonard Floyd was there and Adamican Sue and guys like that, like Robert Quinn. This is a different Rams team, and I don't blame them. Like, they're not in a good financial situation. You kind of had to do this at some point. So, yeah, it just sucks. But their offensive line's scary looking. It's not good. I mean, Havenstein at right tackle's been there forever. He's fine. But the rest of it, I don't know what to expect. They drafted Steve Avila at a TCU round two. Probably will be the left guard there. So that's concerning, especially with Stafford's injury history. But if Stafford is healthy, he'll probably have some great stats because I'm assuming the Rams will give up a ton of points. Stafford will definitely play a lot of catch up, which kind of was like it was kind of like his uh, career in Detroit, if you think about it. Like his career in Detroit was a lot of like catching up in the fourth quarter, having good stats. It might be one of those throwback type years for Matt Stafford, which is funny because he went to LA with an opportunity to win, which he did. And now he's kind of back in the same situation he was like five years ago. So pretty interesting there. But I have the Rams down for 6-11 in 2023. Next, the Arizona Cardinals, who have a 4.5 over-under win total. Probably the lowest. It's definitely the lowest this year. Um, I have them down for 3-14. and 14. I don't even think they reached the 4.5 win mark or 5 win mark. I don't see it happening. They're already unloading pieces. Isaiah Simmons went to the Giants, of course. Josh Jones went to Houston. I like Josh Jones a lot. Like, I don't know why they traded him. I get it because maybe there was no room for him on the offensive line, but he's a solid player. Um, they just have zero incentive to be good. Like, there is none. There is no reason to rush back Kyler Murray. There's no reason for them to win games. They're not going to tank on purpose. Like, I don't see that happening, especially with a rookie coach. But, like, like having their own pick and having Houston's first-round pick, like, the best thing for this team to do is suck. If you're a Cardinals fan, the best thing for you is to go 1-16 this year. Is that right? One in, yeah, 1-16. You know, maybe even get two. Go 2-15. Two and 15. But, like, get the first pick. That's the most important part. Like, you either get Caleb Williams, possibly, or you, uh, you know, bring Kyler back and can draft, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. or whatever. Like, you can have such such great picks. And if the Texans are not good, which is the most likely outcome... The Cardinals may have two picks in the top five. So they're in a good spot future-wise, but for right now, they're in a very tough spot. Um, they have good safety still. Jalen Thompson, Buda Baker, they might get traded at some point. Who knows? Um, their offensive line might be decent. Paris Johnson was drafted by them, traded up for him. Michael Wilson, the third-round rookie receiver out of Stanford, was a big fan of his. He might be really good, but he also could not stay healthy in college. That's the big thing. Maybe Rondell Moore has a big year. Um, Marquise Brown's still there. Zach Ertz is definitely going to get traded at some point if he's healthy. But for now, he's there. 
So I'd be very surprised if they get the over. I just don't like this team at all. And once again, I just don't think that the front office really cares or has, I don't want to say not care, but you know what I mean? Like there's just no reason for them to win. I cannot emphasize that enough. Um, So three and 14 there for the Cardinals. So that's going to do it for this video. Once again, I will have the fantasy football annual video that I do sometime this weekend, Saturday, Sunday, one of those days. Um, And next week at some point, I will have the entire playoff predictions. We've done the AFC, now the NFC predictions. I will do playoff predictions at some point next week. Hope you stay tuned. Hope you guys enjoyed this video, and I'll talk to you guys next time.